good to be back, man. It's good to be back. Yes, sir. Thanks for coming. Yeah. All right, cool. So what are we doing today? Oh, well, we're talking. We've got some more questions, man. I'm always down for that. You down for some questions? Yep. All right. All right. Let's kick it off. All right. Well, here with Jonathan Wiseman. We're at, uh, what are we calling this again? We got this. What are we calling it? Am I announcing or are you? You're, I think uh, you go with it, man. You get that. JY's Live, man. Keep it easy. I've been Let's using JY's, JY's Live. Live for a couple years, and I was actually using it before we were ever going live, so... I guess it's appropriate if we're live now. Might as well JY's, JY's live. Jam session. JY's live jam, jam session. session. That rolls right off your tongue. Rolls right off your tongue. Okay. Why not? Aaron Morellis here with Jonathan Wiseman with the JY's live jam session. Yes, sir. With the jam I'm session. I'm drinking water today. No okay. alcohol. That's good. Even though it's Friday, Memorial Hydrate. Day weekend. Hydrate. Right. Got to get got to get ready for this weekend. Now we do. We so do. So, T.Y., you doing all right over there? Glad to have you in the building, Ty. All right. We got Hector, Hector back HTC, there. you ready? <laughs> all right, but cool right on well let's do this so what do we i guess let's explain to the audience um what we're doing basically we're here to answer questions about business Mm -hmm. any questions that you have related to your business somebody else's business you know whether it's marketing administrative setup uh digital strategies you know it's when i started business i didn't have anybody to go to yeah Nobody to answer questions, didn't have a mentor, didn't have investors, didn't have anybody show me the ropes. And so that's part of what we're doing here. It's part of way of me hoping to help other entrepreneurs, uh, new or old, and offer advice that might help somebody, even if it's the, the smallest bit of advice. If you take one thing from this podcast, hour too long, however long it goes, mm-hmm. uh, and I can help one person out there save some money, increase their profits, get rid of some bullshit overhead they don't want, put together a marketing strategy, and hopefully something that helps somebody blow their business up. That is the purpose of this podcast. I'm trying to fill a void that I never had when I started in my early teens in business. So that's what we're doing. And uh, I know we're taking questions over the weeks from people um, sending in messages. I'm actually going to take off this watch so I don't keep banging it on the table. <laughs> we got a couple cu- highs coming in from Marie Vu. Hi, Johnny. What's uh, up, Marie? Katina. Is that how you say her name? Alexander. Katina. Yeah, they're Katina. Cool. She said hi as well. So we got a lot of people joining us. We got 13 people right now on the line joining us. So. Cool. Well, what's up, people? Uh, feel free to drop something in the comments. If you own a business, uh, drop your business in the comments. Let other people see it. Shit, that's what this is about. So uh, let's get down. And if y'all have any questions, I keep looking at my computer cameras over there. If y'all have any questions related to business, uh, please drop them in the comments right now. I'll be more than happy to answer them. My phone is actually on Instagram Live, so I don't have uh, that, so don't text me because I won't see it until we get done. But if you have any questions related to business, please ask in the comments. HTC or Aaron will see those. Yep. And we'll get them answered. Uh, and some of you that did it last time, don't try to be funny and try to stump me on some crazy shit. That no, I'm please not go ahead know. and do that. So <laughs> let's let's make that happen this week. Um, but hey, man, let's kick it off. Um, so we're going to do a little different. Uh, we did have some questions come in. Okay. Like I said, um, we had a lot of questions come in, but then I'm going to give you some rapid fire ones, man. If now you're not going to stump you, I'm going to try to stump you. So All right, I, I got some stuff I'm going to ask you. Uh, so let's start with the first one. I like this and this, this, uh, you may get a kick out of this one. So, uh, someone owns a real estate company and they're wondering, um, and I've actually had this question myself, um, if they should walk away from some, from some potential business, um, you know, a few times, you know, owning this real estate company, they've uh, done some interior design work on homes that they've sold, and uh, guess what? 
Word has spread, they've done a good job. Now, they're really wondering, should they accept this new business as a, as a new revenue opportunity or should they stick to what they're good at? So open it up to you, what do you think? Is the So they're in real estate. That's right. And they're doing interior design kind of on the side and they're wondering if they should turn they've that done into They've done it a, a from, from what they, they kind of uh, gave us as much info, they've done it maybe a couple of times. I guess okay. is like a sweetener, uh, word of spread, and I guess a couple of people are now kind of saying, hey, can you do that as well? Cool. Well, first of all, if you suck at it, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Sure. I mean, that's the first thing. If you're really good at it, you know, it's, and this can be applied to any business model. And speaking of <laughs> real estate and interior design, my wife owns a brokerage uh, living in Houston here locally. Her mother is an interior designer for all of nice. the, uh, we'll call them socialites of Houston. So I'm very familiar with that type of relationship and business model and, and how it goes down. Um, with any business model, spreading yourself thin can eat your lunch okay um you know it's i wear many hats with what i do i can see the business opportunity and everything and i think that you have to keep it real close to home where it is if you get too far away from your bread and butter it's going to spread you thin a uh, perfect example um a couple years ago you know i've had my dot com for years uh, supplement company started eight years ago and three years ago I was looking for some gun stuff uh, to get my gun seracoded I was trying to do some custom work saw the void I'm really good at digital marketing I know how to make websites pop up first on Google I saw that there was a void when I was trying to get my gun customized seracoded right I'm looking I can't find anybody within you know 10 miles 20 miles of my location i called all of them uh it was you know billy bob answering his phone there was a 30 to 90 day turnaround on it and my way of thinking is like well shit if i launch a website in this industry and i get it to the number one position on google i will own the marketplace i'll own the industry and so that's what i did i mean i i if you go right now on google and type in Cerakote houston my website pops up, saracoders.com. No doubt that. And then you'll probably see strack.com, which was our .com pop up right behind it. You're going to fact check me right now, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not fact checking you. Um, <laughs> and so I you did You are right, that. though. I did fact check you. You're good. Cool. So <laughs> I did do that. You know, it's I saw an opportunity. I saw a void in the market. I, I'm good at what I do. I knew I could get to the top of Google. So... I build a website, we get to the top of Google, I launch this business, basically I launch a, I build a gun company, and the phones start ringing. It took me about a year to build it, dropped six figures into it. Year one, we made our money back. Year two, we did a quarter million dollars. Nice. It, it was a nice income. So if you look at it over the course of two years, I saw a void, utilized my skills, built a secondary business that I thought was going to be additional revenue stream. Yes, over the course of two years, I profited a quarter million dollars from that business. However, in hindsight, if I wouldn't have done that and gone in that direction because it sucked my bandwidth, yeah, it took my time, it took my focus, it took my energy, uh, it took part of my staff. So if I wouldn't have, even though it was, financially profitable mm -hmm. if i wouldn't have spread myself in and put all of that time and effort into the existing business model that i was in i probably would have made a half million dollars maybe 750 
But so just because something that you see an opportunity doesn't need, doesn't mean you need to create a revenue stream out of it or try to monetize it. Uh, now the gum business was very far off from the supplement company. So if, if you're looking at doing two different things that are completely separate, don't do it. But even when it comes into the real estate, um, you know, a good opportunity that I've seen out there and know a few people that do it through Laura is staging. Okay. You own a brokerage, you're a realtor, you do this. Well, when you get into luxury homes that you're selling, you want to stage them because it's going to help them sell quicker or you might get top dollar for it, whatever the case is. I'm not in real estate, so I'm not going to speak on it. Uh, if you want to know, contact Laura with livinghouston.com. Nice. <laughs> um, but you think, okay, realtor, and, and Laura and I have talked about it, you know, do you start a, a, a staging company? If you're in luxury homes and you're spending five grand, I'm making round numbers, if you're spending five grand to stage a home, you do 12 of them a year, that's 60 grand over the course of a year that you have spent staging homes. So yes, and from my brain, the way it works is, well, shit, go take that 60 grand buy five to 10 rooms worth of furniture, stick it in an AC to storage unit for the year. Mm -hmm. That's probably going to cost me 20 to 30 grand there. I make an extra 30 grand for the year. Right. Okay. I see that $30,000 opportunity. That's a revenue stream. That's profit. But running that business, dealing with the movers every time, dealing with the loss, if something gets broken, making sure it's placed right, you know, making sure that the storage unit's doing what they need to do. It doesn't get robbed. The insurance, like all of the other bullshit that's going to come along with it, even though you might see a thirty to $50,000 financial opportunity, how much of that bandwidth did it steal from you? When if you would have just applied that to doing what you're a fucking expert at or getting yourself from being bread and butter up to expert level, you probably would have done a lot more staying in that lane. And so that is one of the biggest things that I have learned over the years. Uh, and, and a lot of it has to do with the way I was brought up and where I come from. I was always trying to figure out opportunities. Yeah. You know, it, and a lot of it comes from being on the streets and you're going to take advantage of any opportunity you can to come up or to win or, you know, all this ghetto language I used to use back then. <laughs> Sometimes I still do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's what it was all about is, you know, how when you come from the streets, it's like whatever the fuck I got to do to make it. I'll take I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do anything. And that was the mindset that I had growing up. I had to fucking survive. And so as I got older, it was hard to break those bad habits. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So as I got further along in business, some of those habits were still trying to see the opportunity and always opening up. Uh, subsidiary business models that were going to, you know, possibly be revenue-making opportunities. And actuality, in hindsight, looking back, it spread me thin. And if I wouldn't have done that going back, then I'd be far more advanced with the business model that I'm in. Wise words. Wise words. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And we had some couple of people comment on that. Uh, Judge Graham said, stay niche and stay focused. Niche and focus. And Judge Graham, what's up, buddy? Uh, using his words from Judge Graham. Y'all go check him out. If y'all don't subscribe to Judge Graham, click on his name, go uh, follow him. He is gangster and a good friend of mine. Uh, and I, 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 yeah, thank you for commenting, Judge. And I, I, I hear you, man. It's difficult. So one of the you, things you see those opportunities, you want to jump at them. 
because it almost becomes like, you know, a knee jerk reaction. But I think what you're saying here, and I like it, is you got to stay disciplined. And, and you do. You know. So my wife called it shiny ball syndrome. Okay. Talk and to us about so, that. well, she just, when I would, you know, see opportunities and <laughs> every fucking thing out there, she'd be like, look, dude, you got shiny ball syndrome. <laughs> stay in your lane, chill out. Uh, but to, for Judge, Judge, one of the main things he says is go niche and go deep. Okay. And I steal that from him a lot. Judge, sorry, dude. I love it. I steal it. I use it. So don't hate me for it. Um, but that's one of the main things that he teaches. And uh, so it made me, you know, seeing that and talking to him about it, it really made me feel good about not always trying to take advantage of those opportunities. Sure. So stay in your fucking lane. Stay in your lane. I like that. You know, uh, so let's move on real quick. We had a question come in from Araldo. Uh, Araldo. Araldo, thank you. Is that DVA Araldo? Let's see. Probably. What's up, Araldo? Uh, so Araldo said, I'm growing at a rapid rate. Any advice on taking, on me taking my shop from an independent owner operator style shop to a corporate run shop with me still being here, just a simplified system? I would stay, you know, what is the difference between, you know, sole proprietorship or ownership going to corporate? What does that mean? Uh, would be my first question. Uh, you know, it's that shop runs the way that it does and, and i don't want to speak for araldo um but from what i know of dv8 and araldo himself everybody knows araldo that's why i've taken my vehicles there uh dude is cool as shit nice guy um everybody loves araldo that does business i mean i remember when i was 18 years old and he was doing these little honda accords and souping them up and everybody's racing down the streets and shit so if i wanted to get into that type of sport, if you will, again, I'm going to call Araldo because I've known him for 20 years doing it. Okay. As soon as you take Araldo out of the picture, what's left? Where did the personality go? Where did the face of the company go? That's a good question. You know, I've always known it's, I've got him on speed dial in Colorado. I, I shoot him text. Yo, I need to come by and get some wheels for the whip or I need to do this. need to get a wrap. He does all that shit. I just text him. He responds back. Mm-hmm. If Araldo, you pull Araldo out of the picture, I'm not going to call there because I, I go. It's like when you go to restaurants or nightclubs or anything, you go where you know the door guy. You get to skip the line. That personal You touch. go where you know the bartender so you can get that first round for free. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to restaurants where the chef comes out and shakes your hand. It's the same thing in any business model they, that you're in. You want to go where you know people. You're the face of the business. I'm the face of my business. You pull me out of JY's. It's not Jay Weiss anymore. Mm. And so the, the business is going to go to shit. And I see that a lot of times in service-related businesses is, you know, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You know, you are who you are and you build that. It's a thing with self-brands. You build your self-brand. But if you don't scale it the right way and build your business model around certain residual income models and other income streams that aren't really tied to you as the person itself, then you pull that person out of the business uh, and, and that business will fail. So uh, if you are going to do that, Araldo, um, build other uh, revenue streams, residual income business models, build up, or if you're just going to sell for a shitload of money, cash out and you know move on with your passion. But I think that is your passion, so something you got to consider. But if, if you want to go to multiple locations, you want to sell out to corporate, you want to sell out to a bigger name, selling is selling. I mean, I sell companies, I've cashed out, sell out if you get a good roi sell put your money in your pocket build another business model um 
if you're doing it because you want to take a back seat and you're tired of running the rat race and tired of being the front man in the face of the business, but you still want to uh, benefit from the revenue streams of it, um, figure an exit strategy over 12 months, 24 months to where your face is still the face of the business model and figure out other residual incomes or reoccurring business models, revenue streams. And that could be simple as start going and making deals with dealerships to where all of the dealerships start bringing you your cars to put on rims and tires or, or lowering them or putting on wraps. And you may already be doing this, but that way it's not about the face being a Raldo of DVA. It's just about once dealerships make that relationship with you and you give them a good product and they're used to using you, you know, go build up that revenue stream where you've got 20 dealerships in Houston bringing you all their cars and then you can exit out the back door. Nobody will know the difference. Awesome. He said he just uh, commented back. He first of all, he gave you 100 percent, said uh, he, he apologized a little bit on the spelling. He's doing thing at the shop and the phone in hand. So he's he's hustling and working today. Oh, really? It doesn't surprise me considering what you just told us. Um, and he said no, he's still going to be here and he, he loves it there. He just wants more of a corporate style office system um, but he said absolutely loving loving your advice and loving what you're sharing right now appreciate that bro love you too um yeah so it, it's when it get you know shit i've done it myself uh and, and i'm not sure if this is exactly what he's talking to but if you want to go from a more laxed office environment mm -hmm. because you know you started this business when you were in your teens early 20s you've been doing it forever it's always been in chill mode and shorts and tennis shoes and yeah. that relaxed environment and then you know you get into year 10 of your business mm -hmm. and you're like you know what i need to take my game to the next level i need to step it up i need to be more corporate i need my staff in uniforms i want my fucking office clean i don't want shit all over the place whatever the case might be there is going to come a time um where you're ready to well, there may or may not become a time, but you know, if there is, if you're reaching that time or anybody else is, then you have to put down policies and procedures in place, clean the shop up, clean the people up, put your policies in place. And you have to lead by example. You have to be the first motherfucker on that list that does everything right, yeah. that shows up early, that dresses the part, that plays the part, that leads by example. You have to be a leader. You can't just have a list of to-dos and rules, give it to your staff and expect them to follow it, but you still get to be in chill mode and throw your feet on the desk. So uh, that would be my advice. Uh, have an office meeting with everybody. Let them know shit's changing. Maybe give them a couple months. Uh, leeway to let them convert or if they're not wanting to convert tell them you know to beat it get lost and find replacements uh, and i've seen that sometimes where people end up firing everybody and starting fresh and implementing new rules because sometimes it's you've got an employee that's been around for a couple of years or 10 or 20 years it's hard to teach them new tricks and they don't you know they think that they might have seniority and they don't have to comply uh, and that can cause issues as well so uh Put together some policies be the first to lead by example follow those policies policies yourself implement them anybody that's not adhering to them make an example out of them get rid of them and replace them wise words wise words thank you so much for that question that came in we, we got more questions coming in but before we get to the next one i'm going to rapid fire you um so you brought home some gym equipment the other day. You had some gym equipment delivered. Who, I what did. Was the, what was the brand? Rogue Fitness. Shout Rogue. out to Rogue Fitness. Their shit is sold out. They're expensive as shit. It's an amazing product. <laughs> I still need to get a barbell from them. I've been trying. They've been sold out. And then I keep getting these email notifications that are, your barbell's in stock. And there's like 20 of them. 
Yeah. So I've subscribed to every single one to notify me when they come back in stock. So every time I get an email, I go click on it. By the time I fucking pull it up, it's already sold out. They're too hot, man. That's like me trying to get some. Anyhow, uh, Rogue Fitness, if you're watching, will you please? I need to get this computer out of my face. The computer's fucking me up. Can I close it? Yeah. All right. So, all right, so we got Rogue Fitness. We're going to talk about that. But to me, when I saw it, uh, the first thing kind of stuck out in my mind when I saw it was the packaging. Um, but I'm a, I'm a packaging guy. Like, whenever it comes to my house, if it's sexy packaging, it looks good. Half the time, I don't even I don't even give a damn what's in the box yep. just because it's nice. So talk to us about, and I know, you know, your supplement company, I was there firsthand to kind of see the packaging that you've done, and it was second to none. So let's talk about out the gate. Should you focus on packaging and make that massive investment, or is that something you need to look at down the road as you get better established because saying, look, you know, it's because it can be an expense from from what I gather, it can be an expense. So talk to us about that. Packaging is everything. Right. Okay. If you're doing it right, well, it depends on the product itself. Uh, in the supplement world, supplements are cheap to produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, the money comes in the overhead of the daily operations and marketing. I would spend more on my packaging than I would on the product itself when it came to manufacturing. Wow. Packaging is fucking everything when it comes to e-commerce. It's about the experience. It's about, you know, people opening their mailbox and something popping out at them. When they do, you know, it's, we used to send stuff out in blue boxes or blue bubble mailers. Mm -hmm. That way, when you open the box and you see a bunch of shit in there or a bunch of packages at the door, that blue one stands out to where you're like, I know what that is. Yep. I want, it's here. You know, you're pulling up in the car and see it on the doorstep and you're running over to open it. It's not that Amazon box. It's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't blend in. Exactly. And then once you open it, it's all about the unboxing experience. You know, you rip open your blue bubble mailer. You know what's in there. It's like if you can imagine when you open an iPhone yeah. or a MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. it doesn't need all those extra layers of shit on there. Mm. It's protected in its packaging. It is the experience of what you feel is a luxury item that you're unboxing it's an experience it makes you feel like it's christmas you feel special you you know that this company spent a lot of time and a lot of money protecting that product adding the layers of cellophane or you know whatever the packaging is when some shit just shows up in a bubble mailer you got two companies selling glassware the same two glasses the same exact overhead made of the same exact thing one shows up in a box that is custom molded and it's got a beautiful design on it, and it comes in a shipping box, not in a bubble miller. And you get another one that just comes in a regular-ass Amazon box with some peanuts in there to protect it. <laughs> you can charge triple, quadruple the price for the one that comes in the box. Right. Because people are willing to pay for that experience. Not to mention <clears throat> when it comes to client retention. If you might sell them that first time on glassware or on a hat, whatever they're buying... When it shows up in the mail, if the packaging is shitty, they can tell you didn't spend any time or money protecting it, making sure it showed up, making sure it was a good experience. They're never going to buy that shit again. But if you've got a package that really makes the experience, makes you feel special, you play into the emotions, you're hacking people's brains with the experience, people want to get that again. I mean, call it your serotonin levels where it starts sparking shit off. I mean, it's like smoking cigarettes or drinking or doing drugs it's like you want that to happen again you're likely to sign up for their subscription you're likely to 
get that as a gift for somebody you know so that they can have that experience. Packaging is fucking everything, bro. And everything. I think and I think it's reinforced by the fact of you go on YouTube, you look up, you know, the unboxing experience. People are more that setup and that description of what that unbox, like what they're about to unbox, they're more interested in that. They get the products open, they're like, oh yeah, this is cool. But they're like, guys, I just got this in. Look at this, look at this sweet packaging. Look what they did. You get into influencer marketing, you have to have the packaging. And if you're doing e-commerce and yeah. you don't have an influencer program, you need to call me. <laughs> <laughs> right there. There you have it. You've got there you problems. have it. Uh, you know, it, it, when you're doing e-commerce, I don't care what you're selling. Influencer marketing, building influencer networks, affiliate programs, promotional programs. That should be 20 to 40% of your income. And that should be a residual okay. income every single month. So exactly when you're selling products online it is all about the unboxing experience and you better have a a brand and a package that supports that otherwise uh it's going to fall on deaf ears you're not going to be able to sell this much online mm. thank you for that <clears throat> hey we got uh we got some more people joining us so if you're just joining us uh aaron morales we, i'm here with jonathan wiseman with the uh, jay wise live jam session what up? uh we're talking about all things business we're answering questions so uh share with us what, what's kind of been on your mind we had a a question come in from another person. I'm going to probably butcher the name Seta, S-E-I-T-A. But uh, they uh, they had a question. So what is a website's best use in marketing? Just provide image info about the business. Or as a landing page for leads generated from online marketing? And she said, this is for a law practice, FYI. All right. So law practice. Right. Kind of say the... What is the bet? What is a website's best use in marketing? Just to provide image and info about the business, or as a landing page for leads generated from online marketing? So we're, we're I guess what we're talking about here, and correct this. Feel free to hop in, Seda or Seda, however you say your name. I apologize. Um, I guess we're talking about, you know, is for the law practice. Is it general info, or are you really looking at creating a lead generating machine? Uh, I think it's both. Okay, it should be both. Um, People are going to go, when they're hiring somebody, attorneys are typically at a high price point. Mm -hmm. when, when you go to hire an attorney, you're going to go look at their website for credibility. Yep. If you got a mom and pop website, some shit that your little cousin's nephew's <laughs> neighbor built, uh, something you got on a shoestring budget for 2000 3000 and everybody watching, if you're getting a website for two or $3,000, that's a shoestring budget, and uh, you're not spending enough. No. Nope. And... When you spend two or three grand, uh, it's like buying a car that costs two or three grand. And people recognize that. Your users recognize that. Um, your you know potential clients recognize that. So that's the first place that people learn about you and see you. You need to make sure that you invest more money on your website than any other aspect of your business, even your actual location that people walk in because they're going to find you on your website first. So... Uh, definitely, uh, it needs to be an investment that you make aesthetically to answer her question. Uh, it does need to be visually appealing. It needs to be updated. If you haven't updated your website in three years, it's time to update it. Um, you do want information about your services, about your practices, about you personally, in case people do want to mosey around and find out more. Yeah. <clears throat> there are, me personally, I don't like reading the fine text or the small text or the copy. I don't, I can look at pictures. I can look at headlines and kind of navigate my way to find out what I'm looking for. I can look at the website. 
if it got if it has the visuals if it's aesthetically pleasing if it answers my questions quickly with big bold text or with pictures or with video it looks modern it looks new i can tell it's a new website i can tell they spent 10 20 30 grand on it then it's like all right if they're willing to update their website it answers my questions immediately and it looks this beautiful then i'm willing to call this company yeah and further investigate to see if i'm going to do business with them it doesn't mean i turn into an acquisition or a lead mm -hmm. it's okay they got me past step one now i'm going to do step two and do more due diligence before i make my buying decision so your website definitely needs to be that now if you're running on the flip side of that about the uh, landing page or lead gen strategies mm -hmm. you can utilize your website for lead gen uh, a contact page, a get a quote page. Sometimes there are little box at the top of your website, which we do for our attorneys. Um, but if you're running uh, Facebook ads, for an example, or pay-per-click ads, sure. what we do now is we build click funnels, for lack of knowing what to call it. Click funnels is actually a brand. We don't use click funnels. We use uh, optimally.com. Nice. Uh, but we build funnel sites where you land on it and these pages are built strictly to convert or to take you on a path. So let's just say the practice is a divorce lawyer. She's a lawyer, right? Yeah, she said you know her husband, Jimmy. What was the last name? Uh, J-O-N-G-E... B L O E D. I uh, don't put me on the spot. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's just say. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I don't want to butcher people's names, man. I grew up all through, all through elementary well, what's school. What's up? Thanks for contributing. Me. Tell Jimmy yeah. I said, what's up? So let's just say it's divorce attorney. Sure. If somebody goes on Google or on Facebook and types in divorce attorney and we have an ad pop up, we want them to click on that ad and we want them to land on a page that is divorceattorney.com. And when they look at the page, the big header across says divorce attorney Houston or, you know, the best divorce attorney right underneath it. We want to have credibility, whether that's a video of testimonials whether it's you speaking to us so that we can get credibility from you to see that you know what you're talking about you speak well it's not you know some bullshit company out there there's a lot of things that we want to get so I, when i run campaigns for clients and this is a tool that everybody should use you want to get as niche as possible like judge was saying so that when somebody goes and types in a keyword into google or social media or whatever the fuck they're looking for when they land on a page it needs to be built for conversions so if i go search on google as an example and, and i'm typing in divorce attorney and i land on a family law website mm -hmm. and it goes through everything and i don't even know what all the different things are in there but divorce the stuff with the kids custody mm -hmm. this that and the other and there's 18 options there's so much stuff for me to choose from you're making me think if i go to a website that has all these options it's overload um but it, and doesn't necessarily mean it's overload some people might argue that but okay. at least it's not as precise a niche it's not taking you starting here and coming down a funnel to convert so if I were to land on a click funnel page and as soon as you land, let's just say you're in Sugarland and you geo target it. So, you know, they're in Sugarland. So they land, they type in divorce attorney, Sugarland, your shit pops up divorce attorney, Sugarland.com at the top. Are you getting a divorce in Sugarland? I'm so-and-so. These are the services that we offer related to divorce in Sugarland. You're bringing them to a landing page that is specific to their keyword term, and you're going to take them right down a sales funnel where you show them exactly what they're looking for so they scroll more. 
As soon as they scroll more, you have some video to build credibility as well as show you that you're the authoritative figure of your industry. As soon as they get past that, you have a lead collection form so they can reach out to you directly. There's five other call to action so they can click to call, click to text, live chat, fill out this form. They can reach you 20 different ways. Nice. And uh, if you do it right before they even land on this page, you've already collected their phone number, their email address, and their name so that they go into a retargeting uh, uh, database so that they go into an automated newsletter series. So now you utilize their information for future marketing purposes. Love it. Does that answer the question? I think it answers the question. Um, she's. I think she, I, I looked her up just at a quick search and it said real estate attorney. Did ring any bells? I don't know. You'd have to pop on. Uh, yeah, thanks for putting me on the spot again. See, sorry about that, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, we'll I'm just gonna, play like I'm she just... was a divorce attorney <laughs> at the time. Uh, but I appreciate you. Yeah, in. thank you so much for for answering the question. She said awesome. She loved it. So, um, yeah, I think I think it was a great response. So, um, so that's a good question. Let's let's keep some more coming in. So, uh, if you got a question, let's hear what you got. But I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit Jonathan with another one. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Um, oh, I gotta ask this question. This is from me. I'm just gonna go ahead and say this is from me. Um, I got someone, they're using Wix. <laughs> they're using Wix. Wow. They don't know if they made the right decision. They came to me and said, look, I'm moving <clears> my <throat> site over to WordPress. It looks pretty complicated. I don't know what I should do. Should I use you? Do I need to go get someone else? What do I do? So. I know we've had a conversation about Wix, but um, we've, I don't think we've really had like a full in-depth. So let me hear your take on Wix.com, brother. Wix is a... <laughs> We're trying to be PC about it, but we... Well, <laughs> you know, I don't want to offend, in, no, yeah, offend yeah. anybody sure, that's sure. using it. It's Wix is a great, you know, talk about baby steps. Yeah. When you first get started, if you don't have the budget to hire a web developer... Uh, it is a somewhat fairly easy tool where you can kind of build a website yourself yeah. as you're getting started. But if you've been in business for more than 12 months and you're on Wix, it's not a good look. Uh, Wix is a shitty platform to be on for anything that you want to do related to digital marketing. Uh, but again, going back, if you're brand new to business and you just you can't afford to spend five grand on a website, you can't even afford to spend a thousand on a website. And you try to DIY it and do it yourself. Know that your 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 users, your your potential clients, can tell that you built it on a shitty platform and you did it yourself. Uh, but if that's something that you have to do in the meantime until you can graduate to the next level, I get it. I'm not going to knock you for it. Yeah. But if you've been in business for a while and you're still using Wix. It's a horrible platform. Uh, Wix owns all of the content. They own everything on there. The most important part about it that I've seen issues with is you have to host it on their servers. Uh, therefore, they own all of the technical aspects and the backend coding of those websites. Now, not saying you can't take your text and copy and paste. And again, I haven't looked into it in probably about two years. Uh, so some of this might not be completely up to date and accurate. Uh, but at that time, you know, we brought over a client, built them a new website, and when it came time to transfer all of their link juice, all of their SEO relevance, 
Um, you couldn't get access to Wix's servers to their hosting, so you couldn't do what's called a 301 redirect or any type of redirects. Ouch. So, you know, let's say this company was with them for five years. They were, you know, somewhere floating around the Internet. They've got that shelf life of having a, a domain name for five years. They've been somewhat floating around, you know, third, fourth page of Google because they did a little bit of on-site optimization. Right. There's no way to go take that link juice and redirect it to their new website. So it's basically like starting over. So the longer you stay on Wix, basically you're stuck and there's nothing you can do about it. So the sooner you can get away from them and go launch your own website, uh, rip off that Band-Aid. It's going to be better for long term for the business. Let's go. So uh, I'm going to hit you with one. Let's go e-commerce. Okay. If I'm going e-commerce, where do I go? I'm at Wix. I need, I'm an e-commerce setup site. Where do I go? Is it WordPress? Is it Shopify? Where Shopify. Do I go? Shopify? Shopify all day long. Shopify all day long. Three years ago, I would have said, well, maybe four years ago now, five, I would have said, stay away from Shopify. Uh, but where they're at now, I mean, it's it's the number one platform to be on. It has the most integrations uh, than any other platform. It, it's, it is on their servers. Um, but they let you SEO optimize it. You can redirect whatever you need to redirect. Nice. Um, they do charge merchant fees themselves and it can get pricey, but it's still somewhat competitive. And now actually before a few years ago, you had to use Shopify as a merchant. They wouldn't let you use any of the third party merchants. Now they are. So That's that nice. has allowed them, I think to get a lot more business than in, in the past. Uh, but Shopify, I mean, if you think of everything that you need on an e-commerce platform, which is a ton of shit, people don't realize. They think, okay, I've got a product I want to sell online. I put it up on this little website, connect my connect it to PayPal. I'm good. Pop your uncle, I'm done. I got an e-commerce <laughs> company. I'm doing it. There's a list, no bullshit, of 150 things that integrate into that website uh, and products, from client retention to monthly subscriptions to fraud prevention. The list just goes on and on and on. There's 50 different types of automations and shopping cart drops. And I mean, it's just, there's a list of so many things that we do when we go build a Shopify account for somebody right. or any e-commerce. And sometimes uh, you can't go to Shopify. For example, with my gun business, I couldn't put my gun company on Shopify. They didn't allow it. Uh, CBD companies. Um, a, a, a year and a half ago, two years ago, you couldn't put a CBD company on there because Shopify didn't integrate with any CBD friendly merchant services. Uh, so people that had people had to be on WordPress or Magento or some of the other ones out there. It wasn't until we did a, a site for Sacred Leaf. Um, what's up, Trevor? If you're watching, uh, you know, finally he found a merchant that was starting to convert where they were starting to offer. Uh, merchant services for CBD that actually integrated with Shopify. So it also depends on the business model that you're in, if it's going to integrate and, and be able to make it work. But for, if if you're not in a business that's tied to those restrictions or censorship, mm -hmm. Shopify all day long. Okay, all right. Um, so not e-commerce. I just got a you know a regular informative site. Um, let's say a corporate site. Uh, and made the mistake, you know, I was a small corporate, I was a small operation, maybe 10 to 15 employees. Maybe it started on Wix. Where do I take my site? WordPress. WordPress. I do probably 95% of my websites on WordPress. Okay. I don't give a fuck what anybody says about it. It is oh, the most one, robust like, system out there. It's the most user-friendly. Uh, it's easy to use. Uh, we take, there. there's 
thousands and thousands of themes where you can go search whatever your business model is you throw you know plumbing uh we're doing a plumbing site right now actually you throw plumbing in there it's going to show you 20 different plumbing sites yeah. so we're going to show those 20 different themes to the client and say which one of these best fit you or do you like the most and we're going to narrow it down to three of them from 20 and let them pick one of the three we're going to look at the technical aspect of it we're going to look at the coding we're going to look at the functionality uh the conversions there's a lot of technical stuff that we're going to look at on all of these themes to make sure it's a, a quality site for the client and we are going to be able to rank it for seo or that when we do bring traffic to it that that traffic will easily convert uh so we take it from 20 narrow it to three show them to the clients and say which one do you like best yeah then once we get it there still is a ton of customization customization that we do but we have a great starting base that we can build off of no reason to reinvent the wheel if something's there it's already 50 percent done and we have to do the other 50 percent and it's user friendly uh from a user facing side it's compelling it's aesthetically pleasing it does functionality everything that they need and then even wordpress is so easy for the clients Typically, you can do a little small training session and show them how to get in there and do a couple little changes and updates themselves so they don't have to hire a web developer long-term if they don't want to. Absolutely. And I, I, I have that experience myself, utilize the themes. I actually have used uh, Inbato Market. Inbato Market's a great place to go to find some awesome themes. Done the same thing. And I think that's wise words, especially when it comes down to the training sessions. WordPress is so user-friendly to where I've done, you know, two or three, you know, two-hour training sessions and they had some one inside inside their company that was a little technical it was kind of technical savvy but it not only sparked their interest in wordpress it empowered them to get more training and they wanted to learn more so i think that speaks a lot about the platform itself and it's so user-friendly it's one of the biggest platforms out there uh it has it is open source so it has the most uh developers that have built third-party integrations third-party apps uh that integrate with it so that it you know makes life real easy um Probably the most opportunity on a non-e-commerce platform, WordPress. If you're going e-commerce, go Shopify. All right. Appreciate that, man. Um, all right. I'm going to hit you with a good one. I'm going to hit you with a good one. We had someone say, uh, you like Italian food? I love Italian food. I'm married to an Italian woman. So I, I am too. There you go. Wife's so. Italian. Uh, we had Italian food last night, huh, Ty? There you go. What would you have? Chicken Alfredo? It's the way to do it, man. It's all about Italian food. So we had someone say they were going to buy an Italian restaurant. Okay. Okay. Um, now, local Italian restaurant, don't think it's a big chain. They really didn't kind of share that. But they're going to buy an Italian restaurant. What in the hell should they ask, you know, the, the seller? They kind of gave a couple of questions, you know, basic ones. You know, why are you selling? Will you stay with the business for a while? Who else knows you're selling? Um, so talk to us about that. What would you ask? What advice could you give? Uh, the first thing I'd want to do is know why they're selling it. Okay. Um, I think the f you know first, second thing to do is look at the P&Ls. Sure. Uh, the P&Ls, profit and loss statements, the numbers for the last however long since inception, you know, however long they've been in business. Look at the numbers, see if it's uh, on the incline or decline. Um, look at the profit margins. Um, restaurants, dude, that's a tough business, and the margins are low. I mean, it used to be 22% profit margin. I think now it's uh, probably 18-ish if mm -hmm. you're doing good. Um, 
it's difficult, man. I mean, we own sports bars and, and nightlife and clubs and, you know, the sports bars had kitchens in them. I've never actually owned a restaurant by itself. Uh, but you want to look at the P&Ls. It's going to tell you everything you need to know and ask questions. Uh, what questions to ask, man, you kind of stump them here. It's why are they selling? What are the profit margins? Um, you know, who's running the place? Is it, is it, Oper, is it owner operator ran or do you have management in place how many hours uh, are they involved into the day-to-day -day? Uh, I think the number one question actually if I go back and back up on what I said uh, is this a guy or a girl buying it I guess it doesn't actually you know let's go with, I think it's a guy let's just say that uh, you know ask them how late they stay there every night okay how's um, that do they do the closing or do they have a manager do the closing when i used to own clubs and sports bars i mean i would get home at four five six in the morning wow. to you know and every single holiday i worked every fucking holiday i had to work it's i mean dude talk about you know if this person's married don't do it that'd be the first <laughs> thing i tell him <laughs> actually first thing don't get into the business i mean it is rough it's a tough ass business to get in uh but the questions you know profit margins are going to tell you everything is the place making money why are you getting out of it what are your biggest overheads uh how long are you tied into your lease um you know is it a two years left because there's been in some situations where we got into a nightclub and we only had 12 months left on the lease so we not only do we have to build out the location, we had 12 months to get a return on our investment from building it out and make our profit in 12 fucking months before the landlord kicked us out. And so you definitely want to know how much longer is on the lease. Then again, you might not want to be tied into a 10-year or 15-year lease. Um, but there's a dude named Jonathan that is a gangster when it comes to this industry um and i'll tag them in the comments later on so if anybody has any questions we can put them two together and they can reach out directly excellent excellent um so you mentioned the profit margin was you said roughly around 18 percent right now i know we had the question you know we had that conversation earlier about staying in your lane keep it niche keep it simple but do you have any kind of tips or tricks you mentioned you know early on you had some experience owning bar owning a nightclub but get any tips or tricks that could possibly look at you know more revenue mod or more so revenue your money comes from alcohol okay you know your, your profit margins are so minimal on the food you know 18 percent. let's just say 20 percent for easy numbers and i might be off a couple percentages a couple points um your average profit on alcohol is 20 percent. your profit on alcohol uh, is going to be a hundred percent. Did I say food or alcohol? So food is going to give you a 20% profit where alcohol is going to give you a hundred percent markup. Wow. It's a huge difference. So figure out how to sell more alcohol, you know, do a Sunday brunch, sell mimosas, um, do different specials, you know, try to stay open maybe a little bit later or have a bar environment. Maybe you bring a DJ in, uh, and you put them in your front lounge by the bar so that it's entertaining and it's upbeat and people want to hang out longer. Uh, you know, do some type of promos where you make it the before spot before everybody goes out to the nightclub and partying. You know, if you think about a lot of restaurants that might be, you know, I live in the suburbs there's only one restaurant that we can go to that's kind of popping uh keepers um japanese restaurant sushi and uh give them a shout out because we go there once a week and it's the music's up loud it's dance music it's lively there's people hanging out by the bar it's a cool fun environment um 
every other restaurant is just whack. You know, you go there for food. You're right. Uh, you go there, you eat, you leave. You might have a glass of wine, but you're not hanging out. When I go to Keepers, I mean, we're having some drinks. So that's going to increase their revenues uh, on the money side. And they're also selling more products that are more profitable. Uh, as far as a little niche trick I used to do, I'll give this to uh, anybody. If you own a club, a bar, a restaurant, uh, most of y'all already know this, that when you have the rocks glasses and you have the tall glasses, they're actually both the same amount of ounces. One looks taller, one looks shorter. Uh, most people would think that, you know, you pay for a single, you get the smaller one. You pay for a double, you get the bigger one. Hmm. But really, they're both nine ounces. So what we would do is uh, upsell the taller ones, pour a little bit more alcohol in it, but it's not a true double. Uh, so that was one way where we were able to sell a short. Do you want to make it a tall and charge them an extra two bucks? you are able to increase your profit margins more. Nice. So by investing in those two different types of glasses. Um, another thing that I did uh, was, and my brother thought I was crazy at the time, but we custom made our straws. So we had custom straws made that were a wider circumference. Uh, and we had them custom cut to match the size of our glasses, our rocks glasses and our tall glasses. But the what it really came down to was the circumference. We made them wider than the typical black straws that everybody had, which made people drink their drinks faster. This doesn't sound crazy at all. It's actually pretty genius. So yeah, they, they consumed more alcohol and they would, you know, typically we'd go from four drinks per person or a $29 per person on average to a $39 per person on average or to five drinks per person or whatever the numbers were back then. So you look at it as data, you know, figure out how many people you have coming in your door versus how much you sell, then break it down to how much you make per person. And once you have that figure, you know, let's just say it's 20 bucks per person or equate it to how many drinks. That's five drinks per person, $20 per person, six beers per person, whatever those numbers are. You look at it as data, as lines on a graph, and it's like, okay, what can I do to get that graph to go up one more line? Wider straws, it goes up two lines. You know, maybe you go from a 16-ounce beer to a 12-ounce beer, so they have to drink one and a half more times to drink the same amount. That goes up one more line. Mm -hmm. Figure out little things to slowly increase. Look at it as data, dude. You'll, you'll figure it out, and you'll find little things that you do. But the, 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 the low glasses and the high glasses was one, and then uh, building custom straws was another one. There was a lot of other tricks, dude. You can get shit for free from your vendors. Uh, glassware is one of the biggest expenses we had in the night industry. Uh, so we moved to ceramic that glasses that look like glass, but they're made out of plastic. Saved us a thousand bucks a month in broken glasses. I mean, your your champagne reps and all these people will give you money and give you free shit. Take advantage of all of that. Excellent. Wise words. And if you don't know somebody that owns a restaurant or, or a bar or a club, uh, tag them in this. Tag them in this. You know, Jonathan's got a lot of wise words to share. Um, and if you're just joining us, we got Jay Wise Live uh, jam session going on, asking him some questions. We just got done talking about owning an Italian restaurant. What are the tips and tricks? You know, asking, you know, why are you selling someone that's buying it? Why are you selling? Um, you know, looking at the profit and loss, looking at the P&L. So, um, that was a good one, man. Cool. That was awesome. What's next? Any questions? Uh, we haven't had any more questions come in. We had Robert Wiseman say, it's nice to see you live providing business advice. Love you. So uh, uh, Love you too, Bob. That was, that was nice right there. Um, no questions come in yet, but I got a couple more here. 
Uh, let's talk about, ooh, this this one hits the heartstrings right here. I own a staffing company, and I've had two talented employees leave recently. Um, how do I find out why this is happening and prevent more turnover? Uh, that hits, for me, close to home. Um, I've been at companies to where, you know, things have been pretty good, and uh, talent just went out the door. We couldn't figure it out. Uh, but what do you do in that situation, Jonathan? Um, this is a, is this a staffing company or staffing does it just, apply this, to any company? I think it could apply to yeah, any company. Yeah, what does any company really? do if, if staff is leaving and they were good employees? They were great. Let's, let's, let's not say they were good. They were damn great employees. There you go. Uh, yeah, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> but uh, is it, and, and, and I think the first thing we all think about, is it always money? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, and I think these days more, and especially with millennials, it's not about money anymore. It's about uh, the environment. Okay. Um, but the kind of, you know, the first thing that a company should do is have an exit interview. And if you th if you're the owner of the business and you think that you're the problem of why they left, have somebody else do the exit interview that those staff members would feel comfortable with and being honest and transparent about. Uh, or if you're the owner and you weren't the problem, you know, ask them. But I think an uh, exit interview, Okay. if you didn't get the opportunity to have one, I think reaching out to them with an email and basically, you know, call it an exit interview. We'd love for you to email us what we did wrong so we can be better for future staff, da-da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. That should tell you all the information that you need. But it's definitely these days, it has, dude, staffing is the hardest part of my job. It has always been the hardest part of my job, finding the right staff, the right team members, the long-term employees. It, it's, it's not easy. I mean, in any business model. And so it, it's in these days with the younger, you know, the millennials, it's, it's all about work environment. It's all about how much fun it is, how much you love what you do. Yeah. It's a lot less these days about the financial reward as it is about the location, the ambiance, you know, everything about it. So try to create that. And uh, if you don't have it, start instilling it. Otherwise you might lose some quality ass staff members to dumb shit that you didn't even know about. Yeah, yeah. I think the exit interview makes sense. And um, what about taking a pulse of the company? Like what would you recommend to do that? Is it, is it pulling together maybe some some of the team leads and saying, you know, what's the morale look like? Is it being proactive and creating morale things? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, when we've done, we've worked together, the, one of the coolest things, and it's still I love uh, that I ever got to do was, was go to the gun range, man. That was just, that was, <laughs> that was yeah. awesome. So that's, I mean, I think that's a great example right there of something that was, enjoy I mean, it's great. So, so what do you do? Do you be proactive or do you say, look, you know, team leads, what's the morale look like? Give me the dirty so I can figure out what the heck is going on in the company. Yeah. So we, I used to do suggestion boxes okay. um, where I would allow the staff on a quarterly basis when we would do kind of employee reviews and talk to them about their performance. At the same time, I wanted them to, you know, kind of give me a write up or work up on my performance and I would allow them to submit it anonymously. Um, Although when you work with a staff of six or seven, you can tell who's writing what. You probably remember this. Oh, I remember it. Um, so that's what I would do. You know, just as much as I look out for my employees and analyze them and want to make sure that they're doing their job duties, their scope of work, 
as a leader, I also need to make sure that I'm doing everything that I can to provide, to educate, to steer the company, to give them the tools and everything else that they need to do their job. It's, it's a lot more now, back in the day, it used to be an employer-employee relationship used to be boss and doer, you know, the worker. Yeah. You got the head person, you got the worker bees doing it, and they're cracking a whip, getting them to, now it has to be a mutual relationship. It has to be a mutual fit. You know, people have to, it's almost like just as much as I'm interviewing people, they're interviewing me. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a lot different. The game has changed a lot these days. I don't remember what the question was. Hey, no, you're right. That was good. That was good. Uh, and it was. Uh, and it comes down to I think just um, I think you do a great job of it. I mean, it's it's the suggestion boxes are great. Um, creating a great comp- culture is is important. Culture is everything it. these days. And it was the word I was looking for earlier. It, it's everybody wants culture. Yeah, and, and that's what it's all about. It, the environment, the the aesthetics of it. The, you know, it's. I try to make my office fun with crazy shit. There's always cameras on. There's always stuff going on. I mean, it's, I spent a ton of money building this place and having it designed and, you know, everything that went into it so that it's not a boring ass office with four white walls. Yeah. Shit gets boring. You know, we do on a monthly basis. I do take the staff out to eat, not as much as I needed to, but lately everything's <laughs> been shut down. That's uh, We're waiting for the racing go-kart places to open back up because it's our one-year anniversary to go do that we also are waiting to go shoot at the gunning range uh at the gun range again so there's different things that we like to do on a monthly basis uh i also you know host an annual crawfish boil for all of my staff and their families and their friends to bring them all it was actually scheduled about a month ago of course we're all shut down so um you know there's a lot of things that i do as a business owner uh not just to be boss man but to be a leader, to be a friend, to be there for my people, because at the end of the day, they can walk out at any fucking time they want and go find something better. I need them, and they know this. I need them as much as they need me. I can't do this shit without them, and they know that. It's awesome. Love it, man. Love it, love it. Um, So we had another question come in. Uh, It's from one of my good friends, actually. It's someone I worked with a long time ago, back from like 2013, I think to about 2015, 2016. Uh, Matthew Tyler, um, he actually worked at a company called Adhere Creative with me. Uh, This guy taught me, just like you, he taught me a lot. Um, He actually introduced me to Seth Godin. Um, He introduced me to to a lot of great stuff. Was a mentor early on, and uh, now he's a close personal friend. We go to each other for a lot of stuff. So thanks so much, man, for it. So he had a question. He's got a lot of veterinary clients. Uh, I think it's like in the three figure or, you know, three figures roughly, but he's representing a lot of people. And uh, so his question was, he's thinking about, you know, wants to ask you a proper social media posting mix, such as how much posts should be cultural versus educational versus promotional. So um, what can you share? I I use the 1090 rule as far as uh, quality content, educational versus sales copy. Okay. Uh, and it's probably even more closer to 95 to 5%. Uh, but the reality is when you are posting from a business account, 10 people see it. I don't care if you have 20,000 followers on your Facebook business account. Sure. 10 or 20, 30 people, if you're lucky, you're going to see it out of thousands. So what you need to do is use that page not for marketing um, that when you do get those 10, 20, 30 people to look at that post, 
you don't want them to see sales copy. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even put sales copy on a, a social media channel. Okay. I would start building funnel. The only reason why people see your social media channel is they're going there for credibility. Okay. <clears throat> Less than 1% is going there because it pops up in their feed. So are you going to cater to the 1%? Or are you going to cater to the 99 and figure out other marketing strategies? So what I would do is just make everything on that page fun, local, quality educational content truly good content so when people land there they feel like they're getting value and then they might like it or follow it a little extra or they might engage with the post okay that will have it keep up popping up in their feed so but other than that if you want to use any type of marketing strategies to generate leads from facebook you have to start implementing uh, ads. You got to get on business manager and you have to start doing ads. Now, uh, the, the simpler way to do that, and he's probably way more advanced than this, uh, but most business owners use, uh, just boost their ad. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can boost your ad. Uh, that's the only way you're really going to get, I mean, even me, it's I'll post a video and you can go look right now. Uh, you can go uh, J Weiss marketing, um, Facebook, you go there, I post a video, it gets 30 views. So, so you'll see plenty on there that have 3,000 views, 5,000, 10,000 views. So what I do with those is I go boost them. I use business manager to do it. But I'll go put my videos in front of entrepreneurs in Houston with an X mine radius at this age. I pick my audience. I spend 40 to 50 bucks to boost each one of my videos so that at least it's getting seen by other entrepreneurs. So hopefully it's starting to build credibility for me. People start to get to know the Jay Weiss name. They start seeing my face and recognizing me. One, two, it does generate leads. So if I go do this with 10 videos over the next three months, people start seeing my videos over and over and over. Mm -hmm. It's making me the authoritative figure in my industry. So that when they are ready to get digital marketing or build a website or do some strategic campaigns, they remember seeing me three or four or five times. So there's no sales copy in my videos. I'm just giving out free content in them, you know, telling them how to do strategies or it's just me and you okay. talking here. I'll go take one Q&A session, chop it up, turn it into a video, put it online, and then just stick it out there in front of 100,000 people in Houston. So... Um, I don't know where the fuck I was going. <laughs> <laughs> now you were going, going great. With this, it, yeah, but yeah, yeah there's he, use boosted campaigns or use business manager to market your business because right now just posting on a, a on a social media page for business, less than 1% of your audience is seeing it. So just make sure it's quality content that's going to help you build uh, credibility, make you look like you know what the fuck you're talking about. But if you really are doing any type of social media marketing doesn't exist anymore. Like three years ago, two years ago, what used to be considered social media marketing, where you would lay out this calendar every Monday, I'm going to post what the drink of the week is every Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to post some educational shit every Wednesday. I'm going to do a promo code every Thursday. I'm going to do drinks with my girls and a picture. You know, it's people used to have calendars. That yeah. shit doesn't work anymore. Nobody sees it. So that strategy is gone. It's out the window and Facebook changes every six months. So as of right now, quality content, start doing advertising through Facebook manager or boosting post. Yeah, something that, and you kind of reminded me some stuff that Mark Cuban was talking about. I think it was a couple of months ago, right before this is he was saying almost the exact same as you. It's, you know, are you comparing me to Mark? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. You guys are saying the same thing. When it comes down to the content that people see on social media, it's just that's the way it is. And and if you, you have to find the smart way to do it, and like you said, it's not this 
cookie cutter old style where Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I have the set plan thing to do. I need to create, you know, compelling, engaging content and then take that in compelling, engaging content and position it out, utilizing a promotional aspect, utilizing those Facebook, you know, ads. Um, if I want that visibility out there, the so. number one thing that any business has to do to get credibility or to market their business on social media is provide value to the viewer. Yeah. Whoever's on the other side, you have to bring them value. And so you as the business, you know, if he's running an agency for a bunch of vet clinics, he's not going to know everything that they know. The hardest part of his job is going to be going to the veterinarian and saying, look, I need you to sit the fuck down with me <laughs> and give me a blog or shoot this video on my, my cell phone. Give me content. He has to go to whoever's running that place that knows their shit. That's going to be able to provide good quality value and content to the people. And he's going to be in charge of posting that and boosting it. The hardest part of my job, and it's actually why I built this fucking podcast studio, the hardest part of my job was getting my clients to shoot video. I couldn't get my clients to shoot video. And if you go back two years and y'all, the audience, you can go on my YouTube right now, go look for uh, Paradigm Training Centers. It was the first blog, vlog, YouTube video I did for uh, a business. Uh, did some with Matt Morgan, did a couple of them with other my clients. I couldn't get my clients to do video. So I was like, well, shit, if they're not going to do the video, then I'm going to go over there with my cell phone camera and I'm going to shoot the fucking video and post it. And that's what I started doing. I was actually doing live case studies with my clients. Okay, right now, looking at my camera phone, my client is on the fourth page of Google and I'm going to get my client to the first page of Google. Y'all watch, come with me, y'all come to this meeting. And I would vlog myself driving to the meeting. I'd have somebody holding the camera while I'm having the meeting. I'd go back, I'd videotape the office. I would come back a month later, tune in. Hey guys, it's a month later. Let's see where my clients at. Now they're on the first page. I mean, that's how I couldn't get my clients to shoot video. So I became a vlogger. Uh, uh, let me rephrase that. I'm not no, no vlogger by any mean, but you know, started to put myself in that position so that I could shoot video for my clients. And that's what actually made this podcast studio because that wasn't efficient. There was no way I could follow clients for four months and then show the results. Uh, they weren't paying for it and it was too much of my damn time. So now uh, one of the biggest things and, and your buddy can use this as well as any other business owner out there, video podcast, not audio, but video with these cameras, what we're doing right now is the most cost-effective way for you to shoot video hmm. and get a lot of video content. We've been sitting here for how long, an hour? An hour, yeah, yeah. a little over an hour. So we've been, that's pretty good. So we've been here for an hour. You probably asked me six, seven questions. I've given you six or seven answers. When this is done, Hector's gonna take it into the editing studio, or my son is, and they're gonna cut it into six or seven short videos. Yeah. I'm then gonna take those six or seven short videos and sprinkle them all over the internet and pay to advertise them like I was talking about earlier. Exactly. So now I've got six videos, let's say, from our Q&A sessions, and I'm gonna post one every three days. So now I've got content for the whole month. Yeah. As to where before, how hard is it to get a veterinarian to come sit down with you and shoot a video? It's gonna take her three months to sit down with you to figure that out. If you bring her into a podcast setting like this, you can just interview her, have 10 questions ready, and Dude, this is fucking money right here. These are nuggets. Do a video podcast. Go on Google Keyword Planner. Let's say veterinarians. What are the top 10 search terms related to vets? 
go to uh, answerthepublic.com, type in veterinarian or veterinarian clinic. It's going to tell you the top questions that people ask Google, uh, answerthepublic.com or keyword plan or whichever. Type in fucking veterinarian, see what it shows up. It's going to tell you the top 20 questions. That's your data right there. That's your content. You bring, you tell the veterinarian, look, all I need you for is an hour. Show up after lunch. Come here for one hour. I don't care if it's on a fucking Saturday. <laughs> Show up. You ask him the 20 questions, him or her. She's going to give you 20 answers. Now you've got 20 videos in an hour. It's money right there, man. Video podcasting. That's why I built this studio. That's why it's the future. Excellent. Excellent. Matt, thanks so much for the question, man. Uh, sh- shoot us another one if you got another question. That was awesome. Um, is it me or is it hot up in here? Oh, no, you're just spitting fire. That's what's going on. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. That was good. Again, thank you, Matt, so much, man, for chiming in. Really appreciate it. Uh, rapid fire, since you're on fire, rapid fire. Here we go. Here we go. Um, this is for me. Hey, man. All right. I know you got, where are those dope hats that you, you've been sitting on? I've, where are they? Man, I've given them all away. Come on. They're all gone. You're going to save one for the me. The damn, uh, uh, hat place is supposed to do them isn't open yet. Okay. Well, so that was going to be my question to you. I got to order some company swag, man. Yep. Hats, shirts, cups, the whole nine yards, right? I know you got awesome stuff around here. So where do, all right. Someone like me, I got a company, 150, 100, 150, 175 people. Where do I get the best swag? Am I looking at Alibaba? Am I looking at a local person? How do I make it awesome? How do I make it cool? How does it make sure everybody's going to love the shit versus put it on their desk and say, meh. Apparel-wise? Apparel-wise. Let's start first because I'm interested. Uh, there's this trucker hat that says my company name, P97. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, so tr- let's start with hats. Okay. Hats and apparel. Both of those. Go with it. Uh, apparel. Okay. Hats is under that line. Yeah. Um, locally, I go to Leonetti Graphics out in uh, most city Sugarland area. Uh, LeonettiGraphics.com. There's your plug. Mm. Um, prior to Leonetti, uh, I would go to 99. No, I lied. Not 99. Uh, what is it? LogoUp.com. 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 Um, they're expensive. Um, you pay setup fees. It's expensive. But at the end of the day, for me, it's really about what a pain in the ass something is. You know, uh, prior to the relationship with Leonetti, I hated dealing with local people because you, the, I used to own a silkscreen print shop. We used to own an embroidery shop. So I know this business very well. And the process is a pain in the ass. Uh, there's a lot of layers to the process. Takes a couple weeks. Uh, you got to hold people's hands. You got to wait for deliveries. Shit doesn't come in or they print the shirt crooked or whatever the case might be. If you're dealing with somebody local and they don't have good quality control, good customer service, you're dealing with a fucking nightmare that's going to take hours of your time. And I equate every hour into a dollar figure. So every hour of my time costs a shitload of money. So if I've got to go deal with some idiot, which there's been a handful when, if you go back a year ago, uh, and I was passing out some free hats a year ago, there was a local company, a dude that I was dealing with, and it was a fucking nightmare. Mm. And it took hours of my time, and it wasn't until I put his ass on blast <laughs> on social media, you know, that he came through and gave me my refund and whatever. I don't even remember what the deal was. So dealing with local companies, especially mom-and-pop shops, for me and my experience, until getting to Leonetti Graphics, has been a fucking nightmare. Okay. And it's squeezed me for bandwidth. I much rather go to a company uh, for apparel 
logo up is who I use. They're expensive. I send them my artwork. I pick out my clothes. I tell them where it's going to be placed. You can pretty much build your product online. You pay for it. You're done with it. You wait two weeks and it shows up. Uh, they fucked up on some of my hats. They refunded the whole order on my hats. I sent the hats back. It sucked. Uh, but at least they gave me a full refund. They didn't ask any questions. They just handled it. Now, if you're looking for flyers or business cards or banners or anything print media here locally, twodaypostcards.com. Ryan Hernandez, he's the dopest motherfucker that I've known for years. He's been in this business since I was in it 20 plus years ago. He's been my go-to for 20 years. He turns shit around in 24 to 48 hours. When it says two-day postcards, he for real gets it two-day. And now he's doing a lot more stuff with vinyls and wraps and banners and all that kind of shit. So if you need anything, print media. Uh, he also has graphic designers in there uh, that design as well. So uh, two-day postcards for anything print media. Leonetti Graphics, if you want somebody local. Some people want to go in there and touch and feel the shirt. Uh, they want to have that personal relationship with right. people. Uh, if you want to do something uh, just like I do on the computer quick and easy, um, Logo Up is who I've been using lately, but that might change in two months. All it takes is somebody to drop the ball one time, and I'll switch my vendor quick as shit. I'm loyal as fuck to a fault until... You mess something up, and then I got to make moves. Sure. Appreciate it, man. All right. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Okay. What? I like it. I like it. Um, and, yeah, that, that question, I mean, it hits home to me just because, you know, as, you know, working in the marketing department, working with people, you know, you want to give something that people find value in. But I, especially for you, like you're, you're saying, you know, you're loyal, then to a fault, you know, something happens because, you know, it's all about reputation. You're not going to want to hand something out that's not quality. And I think that's why you got everybody wanting those hats, man. I mean, they, they not only look cool, I don't people, even have to touch them. People don't realize that those hats are the new era hats. I forgot what model number it is. <laughs> the stitch count that I have or the thread count that I have in those. I mean, it it's cost crazy. me over $22, 20 bucks. It was expensive to produce and ship those hats. I was shipping, so I'd put them in a box so they wouldn't get crushed. And then you pay six bucks for the shipping to two day it. I mean, I was probably between 20 and 25 bucks per hat Damn. that I was just giving away. That's nice, though, that you couldn't keep one for me. I appreciate that. Anyway, we'll move on. We'll move on. Not salty. Um, <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, not salty. Uh, we got a couple people coming in. Thomas Quentin. What's up, T? Uh, he said, keep it up, Johnny. Uh, we got Thank Charles Ryan Stump. Said, what's up, Jay Wiseman? Uh, Charles Stump. What's so, up, So uh, we got more people joining. Uh, we got more questions. We're here. Jay Wise Live Jam Session with Jonathan Wiseman spitting fire. Um, let's, let's talk about a car dealership, man. Okay. I got a question on car dealership. Um, someone said they've uh, they got a new car dealership. It's non-branded. Uh, they're acquiring this. They're getting a new one, okay? But it's non-branded. It's been open for about 15 years. Uh, and look like it's looking like they're going to put some new salespeople in there. Um, and so with these sales roles, they're trying to figure out, should they go salary or should they go performance-based or should they go mixed bag? Um, that's a great question. I've actually thought about that too, as I work with, you know, contractors, I work with different people. I'm <clears> saying, so this could be applied, you know, not just inside the car dealership world outside. Could be any business. Could be any business. So, sure. um, <laughs> let's, let's start with first with the car dealership side and then talk about the any business side. And is this for any position? This, or just he, they said mainly they're looking at bringing salespeople on. Okay. But yeah, cause yeah. you've got your internal staff that you have to pay yeah, yeah, yeah. uh salary to stay in there. Um, but sales reps, put them on um, 
salary. I'm sorry. I'm tripping. <laughs> but, salary. But it's set in stone. Put, put them on commission. Um, and instead of, you know, it's sometimes you like to give somebody a little bit, so you give them a little bit of salary. Um, but I think in, you know, some of these situations, you can either give them a little bit and then incentivize them with the uh, commission structure if you choose to, or what you can do is put them on draws where they can start taking draws uh, off of their checks, their future checks, and then that way they're in debt to you. Uh, it does a few things. One is it keeps them around longer. Um, two, it's going to keep them more motivated. They know they've got a certain nut that they have to hit by the end of the month, so they're going to bust their ass until they hit their number, Then it's up to them if they want to get lazy or not. Uh, you can't put them on complete salary because you're not going to be able to afford to pay them as much as they're going to want to get in that business. Right. So they have to be incentivized to sell. Any sales rep that is not incentivized to sell with the commission structure, they're not going to fucking sell. They're going to do the bare minimum they have to do to get by. And they're going to coast and they're going to ride it as long as they can until you can them. Okay. All right. So let's, let's take a step outside the car dealership world. I mean, is the same lesson applying? Uh, is there, I mean. For the most part, yeah. For the most part? Yeah. I mean, I can't really see unless you're the owner of the business or it's a relative or somebody in there. And even in that case, it's, there has to be something to incentivize you to want to take it to the next level, to upsell somebody, to sell them more of something. So uh, to, to rope them into a residual income model, to a monthly subscription, there has to, they have to be incentivized. And so if there's not a, com a commission structure or something else, you know, maybe it's a bonus structure to where if there's not something in there to reward them, the more that they produce, the more they get rewarded, the more that they benefit from it, why the hell would they do it? Okay. Yeah, I think that's across the board for sure. Okay, great. Good question. All right, so uh, we have any other questions come in, so we're just going to keep on going. Got a couple more, a couple more. Uh, ooh, uh, that's right. We had an earlier question from Monique. Uh, biggest pain as a business owner collections collections i know you saw that one so. yeah that was uh when we posted the other day i asked people what was the uh some of the biggest pain points you've I've, had I've, you know i've i've never had the opportunity to to uh deal the hardship of that but i i have talked to our our finance department and they said that is just hell in itself so collections isn't fun especially when you're an entrepreneur because it's out of your pocket until you collect it right and then you end up chasing money um, and spending your time trying to collect money from people and then you feel bad for calling them when they're the ones that owe you the money in the first place, <laughs> uh, especially if it's people you know, shit gets weird. Um, you know, when I was smaller earlier on in business, that would be a tactic that I would use to try to close the deal. Okay, I'll split out the payments. Pay me half now, pay me half in 30 days. Or you don't have to pay me until I deliver. You know, there's certain things that you have to do when you're a new business model that you don't have to do when you're doing well. And one of the things that we used to do was, you know, we're dealing with these small accounts saying barely afford it. You, you produce it, you come out of pocket, whether it's a product or service, you do the work, you pay the employees or you produce some flyers, whatever the case might be, you go deliver and they're like, all right, cool. I'll pay you on Monday. I'm busy right now. <laughs> you know, and then it takes you a month to chase down that money. Yeah. So in those days you're stuck. You know, you got to go knock on doors until you collect it and, and bug them and nag them. And then my dumb ass would do the same exact thing the following month with the same exact client. <laughs> um, and it was always a rat race. It was always chasing money. 
I think nowadays, um, as I'm older and a bigger company or people that might be, you know, um, not in that, you know, one person running something out of the house type model, there's collection agencies that are uh, lawyers. Um, they're filled with lawyers or collectors or whatever they are. I've never used them. I don't know exactly how they work, but I would assume that they make all the calls for you. They threaten it. It's good because it doesn't fall on you. You know, if uh, he's a lawyer, if I'm a lawyer, I don't want to feel weird where I got to call my client and act like I'm sweating them for money. You know, you owe me five grand. I could really fucking use that money to pay my bills right now, but I don't want to call you and make you think that I'm broke where I've got to call you and sweat you myself. It doesn't look good. The optics of it isn't good. Right. Um, then it's going to make for a weird relationship where they're never going to answer my phone. They're never going to call me again as a client because they feel weird. Yeah. It's just bad. So if you can get somebody else, a third party non-related to you, to contact these people and be like, hey, you know, your shit got referred over to our collection agency. It's just something automated that happens after 30 days. Not a big deal. We just want to get it squared away with you. How can we get this taken care of? Payment plan, da da da, whatever the fuck the case might be. Let them handle it. That way it doesn't make a weird relationship with you and the client. Hmm. And depending on how they word it, whatever their sales pitch is that they provide to that customer, um, it won't make things weird to where you might be able to retain that person as a client. And then when you talk to them the next time, if they ever mention it, you can play dumb like, oh, I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what you're talking about. It's automated. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it can make things weird. So some type of collection agency that specializes in that is the way to do it. Um, but the other thing I would say outside of that is if you are, and it's because I used to be a victim of it. I used to allow people terms, half now, half later or pay me on delivery, or pay me later, or whatever the case might be, you know, it's good on GP, or whatever the case is, now you pay up front. I don't care if it's a $20,000 deal, except for one client that I have right now, um, who is a 10-figure business model, and they're just corporate as shit, and they put you on net 30, 60, 90, whatever they want, and you deal with it. Um, other than that, uh, and one of my other clients who's a large client, anybody that's, you know, under a certain amount, let's just call it 20 grand a month, making numbers up here, <laughs> <laughs> you're paying in advance. Yeah. My time is money. You're paying advance. Uh, if you appreciate the work and what I offer and the type of shit that I'm going to bring you and I can stand behind my product and I've got everything to support me my credibility, the product that we bring, how we deliver, you want me to take my time away from what we're doing, you've got to pay up front. So if you can get to that type of business model or that financial arrangement where you're not sweating so bad that you got to offer discounts or pay half now, you can spread it out over the next six months. Sometimes you got to start there. I did too. I get it. But if you don't have to do that, fucking stand up for yourself. We got kids to feed. We got mouths to feed. We've got bills to pay, overhead to pay for. Pay now. Or I'm sorry, I'm not wasting my time on you. I'll go to the next client. Good. Good. Appreciate that question, Monique. Um, God, man. That just, that'd be hard to do. That'd be hard to do. But it sounds like that's some good advice right there. Um, definitely some good resources to check out. If you have any more questions on that process, be sure to drop a line in. Um, definitely Jonathan has more to share on that. So got a couple more. Uh, we had someone, I think this was from last week, Erica. 
uh, talked about she's from a startup and she wants to know how to get capital. She's familiar with this SBA, um, but still needs a high percentage down payment. Any ideas how to raise that money if uh, she doesn't have it all? Sell drugs. <laughs> Disclaimer at the bottom, we do not advise you to sell drugs. You know, <laughs> it's, it's lucrative. No. Uh, uh, to be honest, it's, I don't know. Uh, SBA is a, is a government-funded loan, uh, a great place to go. Uh, if you have good credit, you can go there and get money. Uh, I've heard of a lot of people going there. But to be completely transparent, I don't have a clue. I've been on my own since I was 16, turning 17. Uh, started all my business with no investors, no partners, nobody giving me a fucking dollar, nobody giving me a handout. Uh, when I got in, first got into business, uh, in the nightclub business, it was a cash business back then. Uh, therefore, you only report certain things. I won't get into details about that, but I never showed a big income. Um, I was paycheck to paycheck. I acted like I was cool, but I was broke as fuck. Didn't have any money. I was bouncing shit left and right. I was late on payments. My credit was shit. Nobody would give me a dollar. Seriously. I mean, nobody would give me a dollar. And not even if my credit was good, I didn't even know about SBAs. Like, I didn't know any better. There was nobody there to teach me or show me. So uh, when I did go apply for credit cards or to banks, my credit was so jacked up. I couldn't show income, didn't have any W-2s. Man, it was a mess. I mean, I was an absolute mess back in those days. And so I never really had any experience with that. That being said, uh, SBA is a great uh, route to go. I've talked to a few people even here on this podcast that have gotten six figures from the government to help them launch their business. And all they had to do was have good credit, good history, report their taxes, and they got 150, 250 grand from the government. Jeez. Um, and who knows what's going on right now with this whole COVID-19 shit. Um, another thing, if you have great credit, um, there's a few places now that go based off your credit or based off your income that will give you loans off that. So if you can show accounts receivables that you're bringing in 50 grand a month on your business and you're paying all your shit on time and your account's not going negative and you're not paying NSF fees, there are client, uh, uh, third party, I think Cabbage is one of them, uh, Lightstream, there's a couple of them out there that'll give you a five to even PayPal, whoever your merchant company is. I see Shopify doing it now. Anybody that sees your monthly transactions coming in, uh, they will give you a loan based off that and, and your history. So if you're an existing business, definitely explore those options. Uh, but if not, you know, you it, everything's credit. If you don't have good credit, you're not getting money. It's that simple. So beg, borrow, steal, whatever you got to do, you got to do to survive. Uh, if you have great credit, um, which I wanted to do was go apply for a credit card, try to get 10, 20, 30, 40 grand on a credit card. And just, you know, it's not for everyone. It's high interest rates, so you don't have to do this shit. But, you know, I remember when I was young getting into business, if I just had fucking a $20,000 investment, what I would have been able to do in business, you know? And, and I had to climb my way up there because nobody was giving me shit. So <clears throat> if you can go get a $20,000 uh, credit card to leap you forward, then maybe that's a, a good option for you. But accounts receivables will help you get paid. Excellent credit will help you get paid. Reporting your taxes on time, no NSF fees. Uh, there's a lot more programs out there now than there were before. And see what the government's doing. And also, uh, 
I don't know anything about this. I've never looked into it. I've heard about it, but there's a lot of government grants. If you're a minority, if you're a female, you know, she's a female owned business, possibly, you know, go see what grants there are where the government's just going to give you money to do it. I wish they'd give me some damn money. <laughs> They're not giving me shit. This whole COVID-19 thing, I didn't get a fucking dollar. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think I'm running the people. staff, got everybody in here, got my employees and uh, well, a lot of people are. I won't even boat. get into that. So yeah. Uh, anyhow, yeah. Hope that helps you out, Erica. Ah, thanks, Erica, for the question. Uh, so we got one more question. If anybody's got any uh, other questions, feel free uh, to shoot us one. Uh, but got one for you here. Someone owns a cleaning company, and uh, this is this is actually kind of interesting too. Because this, this I'm actually curious on this. Um, they own a cleaning company and they're wondering if uh, their customers are likely to refer their business to others. Now, now they did say that they put a lot of hard work into attracting new business, which I appreciate, I know about. That is a lot of hard work that goes into it, but said um, they neglected referral work. So does it really work? Does the referrals stuff or ref- trying to, getting to people to refer your business, getting your customers to refer you to other people, does it really work and is it worth their time? I'm going to say this. They didn't say what referral work um, and like any kind of mention of what they were thinking about doing. So I think you and I know referral work is like maybe doing a follow up, uh, you know, email. Hey, how was the service? How would you rate it on a one to five Um, or doing, you know, maybe a touch point, a postcard, you know? Yeah, I didn't. fully understand that question no but, let's let me, uh, let's try it but we can talk about <laughs> referrals right yeah so let's yeah let's talk about referral i guess you could say referral marketing i mean yeah, referrals are great compliments um do people you know i remember back in the day people putting on their business cards you know the referrals the best compliment somebody could receive refer a friend uh sorry if you have that on your business card it's time to update it um you know some of it's client retention if you have clients, you need to be reaching out to your old clients on a regular basis. You can okay. do that through newsletter automation. You can do it by sending them surveys. You can do it by sending them links to Google reviews, asking for reviews. You know, that's more on the review side, client retention, not necessarily referrals. Um, certain types of referrals, instead of asking for referrals, I ask for reviews. It's like if I brought you value, you know, I do a lot of free consultations, these 30 minute consultations where they're free. And all I ask from these people is, look, if I gave you good value, if my shit suck, I don't want anything. But if I gave you value, if you found this beneficial, will you please go to Google? I'll even text you a link. Uh, click here. Please leave a review. I think that's the best type of referral that you can get. And then you can go share that on your own page. Oh, look at this referral or look at this review I got from so-and-so. They liked my service. Um, it's all client retention. It's all following up with the clients. It's automation. It's staying engaged and you want to keep your people happy. You want to show them that you care and that you just didn't get that business from them one time. One thing I do, you know, it's supplement company and this is off topic. Sorry guys. I was spending a quarter million dollars a year with one of my supplement manufacturers. There was actually two. There was one for our uh, topical solutions. There was another one for our supplements. Um, And together combined, we're probably a quarter million a year is what we were spending on both of these companies. The supplement dude on Christmas would send me a care package that was this gift box of cheese and chocolates and whatever the fuck. It's probably a $7,500 thing. Okay. 
The other manufacturer didn't send me shit. <laughs> His shit was only 75 bucks. But it was the fact that I got something from this dude that he showed appreciation. Yeah. Numbers don't quite line up, but at least this dude sent me something mm -hmm. where this chick hasn't sent me shit in five, six years. I've been bringing her over a million dollars in revenues and the chick hasn't sent me a fucking thank you card. And, but the dude that sent me the $75 basket of Cheetos or whatever it was, <laughs> it was the nastiest shit I ever ate. So we wouldn't even eat. It was actually a joke when it would show up, but it was just the thought that counted. Like right. that's one of the times when really the thought that counts. And so that's what I do for my clients, you know, Matt Morgan, and I won't get into mentioning all the clients right now. Um, on Christmas, whatever and it's kind of my rule of thumb whatever a client spends on me monthly let for easy numbers let's say a thousand dollars a month if a client spends a thousand dollars a month on me well i'm taking one month of that income that thousand dollars and that's what i'm spending on them for christmas okay so whatever i collect in october from them that money is being reinvested into their christmas present whatever that might be. Wow. I figure out, do a little research online, maybe talk to the wife. I know them personally, ask them something they might like, see what sports they follow. That's what I do. So I know immediately, and you can mark it up at the end of the year or add it into your cost of doing business with them on the front end, knowing that you're basically going to give away 10% of your business back to them on Christmas. And I would bet that that means something special to them that I'm willing to do that, that I'm willing to give back. And the monetary value doesn't really matter. It's really just the fact of doing something to give back. So that's something that I recommend all business owners do. Take care of your clients. They're the ones fucking feeding you. Give back to them. Allocate some percentage. If it's a residual client, residual income, allocate some of that money to them. Um, if it's a one and done, if you're a steam cleaner or whatever you said, did you say cleaning, steam cleaner cleaning? cleaning service cleaning if you're a cleaning service and you know it's a well our cleaning services are weekly um so depending on what kind it is if it's a one and done type cleaning service follow up with them send them a christmas card send them an email do something build an automated newsletter series where once a month you email them tips and tricks of your industry you know how to get dog shit out of your carpet if you're a carpet cleaning company right you know, how to clean the grout, how a DIY, how to clean grout from your house without calling us, how to do X, Y, Z, send them tips and tricks that they can use. If you're, if they're busy, like I am, I don't have time to go clean shit. Luckily I don't have a dog. I don't have to worry about that, but <laughs> I'm not going to go. I don't care who, if you tell me exactly how to clean grout, I'm not cleaning grout. All this is doing is reminding them that you're there. They're getting value, they're getting content, and they're staying in your fucking head. So six months later, when you need to go hire somebody to clean your grout or whatever it is, oh, let me go pull up that email real quick. And that's who you call. So that's the type of stuff you need to do for client retention, quality control, customer service, client reviews, whatever you want to call it. But referrals, yes, referrals are great, but I think those come naturally. It's not something that you need to go out there and implement a strong strategy for. I think there's better uses of your time. Of course, it does depend on the business model. Um, but me personally, I don't go looking for uh, referrals. I look for reviews.
Okay. Okay. And I gotta, I'm going to back up real quick because I know you're a video guy and this we'll, we'll close out the subject on this. Um, and I've done these before. So um, what about client, I, I would say client testimonial videos. Now we know about 44% of search traffic, I think it's like 40 or 50% of search traffic is going to YouTube. Um, it's creeping up where video is, you know, generally taking a lot of the search traffic, right? So our client testimonial videos, you get get them in front, maybe, you know, you shoot that video where they're at their office working and they're all happy and then they're, you know, this agency did all this shit for me. You know, you know those videos. Are they worth it? Client videos are everything. Testimonial videos are everything. Okay. Uh, if you can get video, speaking of video, I hate the fucking angle. <laughs> <laughs> We're changing this angle. Stop, <laughs> We're changing this angle next week. Uh, <clears throat> I try, it's hard getting videos from clients. Yeah. Testimonials. Talked about that. Yeah. Um, so what I've actually done <clears throat> and Sean still hasn't sent me his Sean calling uh, people out. Yeah. I won't say his last name. Um, it was something that I was even like, look, I'll do a video on your business here's your testimony and I would send it to him. Hey, this company did an amazing job for me. Love these guys. Definitely recommend them. Send. Get close check to mine. Microphone. You good? Yeah. All right. Is he good? I'm check, good. check one, two. One, two. Um, <clears throat> I would even send them a video without even asking for anything at first. Just send them a video. Hey, here's a video review for you. Would you mind sending me one in return? Then they kind of feel obligated. Oh, uh, of okay. course. Somebody didn't send me one. I won't say who. <laughs> um, but, <clears throat> you know, if you could, yes, video testimonials are everything. It's, you know, when you see testimonials that are just written at the bottom of a page with five gold stars. Yeah. Nobody believes that shit. No. Um, it's, you can have fake testimony. I mean, I was doing it 10 years ago. It's like, hey, look, give me 10 fake things to put on your website when I build it. And they would write them themselves. When you put a face to it, a voice to it, um, it changes the game because that's an actual real life person. And if people want to do that and fake that, go to Fiverr.com and spend a little bit of money and get people to do fake video testimonials. Boom. Uh, I have, you know, had to do that before um, to be placeholders until we were able to get the clients to produce real videos. Um, you know, whatever it takes, right? In business, whatever it takes. I've done that before, but yes, uh, video testimonials, dude. You you can't get better than that. I mean, that's as good as it comes. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I hate to say this, man, but I'm I'm out of stuff to ask you. Good. I'm out. Memorial Day weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. Go get some right. cocktails. Hey, uh, we appreciate everybody watching once again. We got Jonathan Wiseman here for our JYS Live Jam session. Yeah, definitely. We're doing this every two weeks. I, I truly, honestly, genuinely, sincerely appreciate all y'all that uh, tune in. Uh, we're going to do this every two weeks. The whole purpose of JY's Live is to, you know, everything that I've learned in business over the last 20 plus years, I want to share that knowledge with people. If there's one thing that I can give to one person that's going to help them in business, help them fast track their success, uh, jump over a couple hurdles or how to get hurdles out of the way, lower overhead, employ staff, anything related to business, all the shit that I never had when I started business. Uh, if somebody would have told me any of this, this any of it would have helped a little bit. So that's the purpose of having JY Slive and these jam sessions and some of y'all trying to stump me on some shit, which I welcome. <laughs> 
Um, and I'll tell you if there's something I don't know. I don't claim to be a know-it-all, and I'm the fucking guru and all that shit. All I can do is speak the truth, speak what I know from business, yeah. and hopefully this brings value. So uh, I've made it a point. My wife are, and I are very big on giving back, and I don't want to act like this is something that somebody needs, but I feel like this is one way that I can contribute to society, to young entrepreneurs, to existing entrepreneurs. For me, I say giving back for lack of knowing what to call it. I want to be able to contribute to other business owners uh, locally or abroad. So hope this brings y'all value. Thank y'all for tuning in. Please continue to every other Friday right around 12-ish, uh, and we'll see y'all there. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks so much, guys. Take care.